We're here, the last Sunday of Advent, still with Mary and her part of the story, waiting expectantly for the Christ child to be born. My wife, Rain, and I uh, find ourselves in a similar place right now, as our first child is due December 31st. Our uh, baby doesn't have the same salvific overtones, but uh, nonetheless, it's been a long season of waiting and expectation. I sent an email to a friend yesterday about a few baby items we still needed with the subject line, baby life, not thinking that she would stop reading at the subject line and assume we'd have the child, and phone calls and texts started rolling in. The expectation in our community right now is shared and it is palpable, as is that expectation that we bring together here of Christ's birth of Christmas. All this to say, if I happen to answer a phone call in the middle of the sermon and just take off with haste, you'll understand why. Mary was moving quickly herself in the story that we pick up in the Gospel of Luke. She had just received the message from Gabriel that she would conceive the promised Messiah. And the scriptures say she went in haste to visit her Aunt Elizabeth. In Elizabeth, she finds someone who is part of a priestly family, Elizabeth's family being part of a little bit more of a privileged house than Mary, benefiting in some ways from the system, even as she shared Mary's hope for a different world. It's important to remember that Mary was a poor young Palestinian woman, born into a community living under Roman rule. Two weeks ago, Father Bill mentioned in his sermon the imperative that we keep the Herod in Christmas, meaning that the context is important for our story here. Herod the Great, Israel's puppet king on behalf of Rome, known for his violent exploits and extortion of the people, provides a backdrop for this message of salvation that came from Gabriel to Mary. Mary was one met by God to bear the Son of God who would bring salvation, redemption, and restoration in the midst of injustice. As she went with this news to her older Aunt Elizabeth, who was also miraculously with child, she was met with a blessing. I love the reciprocal nature in this story of the blessing these two women offer. Mary bringing this new life, this hope, this message. Elizabeth offering this blessing back to Mary. One of the gifts I think that St. John Ross has is that this is truly an intergenerational parish. Often beyond our families right now in life, the opportunity for shared intergenerational activity and relationship is it's limited in our world. Now, as a community, we, we still have work to do on this front. I don't know if you all noticed, but on a typical Sunday morning, the crowd that sits towards the front here of the Church of the Font tends to tilt just a little bit older. Um, and the crowd that sits towards the back tends to be a little bit younger. Now, I know there's some practical reasons for this, noise being one of them, wanting some wanting to sit closer so that you know, they can hear better, and others coming in through the back because, well, maybe there's a lot of noise at home and they're late and a little lucky to even be here with the kids today, <laughs> but also so that maybe the clergy isn't hearing. There, there's about to be a shift at St. John's. I don't know if you've heard this, but we're going to be doing this renovation of the chancel up front here and kind of losing some pews and moving everything down. And this is going to mean we're all going to get a little bit cozier as we gather here, especially at the 10 a.m. service. 
And I wonder what would it mean for us to model the spirit of blessing that Mary and Elizabeth have with each other, of creating a space of intergenerational welcome during this time over these next four months of renovation, of making room in our pews for each other, of making room for noise and movement and activity and the life that comes in one that is shared. They say you have to practice what you preach, and unfortunately this is true for me too on this front. Uh, my mother-in-law is moving into our one-bedroom apartment as we speak. So uh, she's coming to help with the care of Rain and I's child uh, during the next month. So I'll report back to you how we're doing at getting cozy, at sharing space, about seeing each other as a blessing for one another and making room. Uh, I do think it is a mark of Christian community, the welcome of one another across generations, learning each other's stories, and celebrating the gifts we each bring at whatever stage of life in response to God's revelation. Now, since we're almost to Christmas, I want to celebrate another gift that St. John's has, how this is a place that welcomes people into worship from across many Christian and non-religious backgrounds. I don't know if you know this, but less than 50% of the worshiping community enter this space identifying as Episcopalian. The cornerstone on the base of the bell tower outside reads, A House of Prayer for All People. St. John's has done good work at making room for neighbors across religious affiliation. And this is so important because when we have a transcendent experience like Mary had, when we have a revelation from God, an encounter with something that's outside of the words, outside of words that we have to explain it, we need a community to help us And a wide range of religious backgrounds gives us a great ability to hear and recognize how God is working in our stories in each of them in different ways. Mary had just had this encounter where the space was thin between the human and the divine as she was visited by the angel Gabriel. And Elizabeth helped to hold space for her, to affirm her experience, and to offer a blessing that brought forth Mary's poetic response her song we heard in the reading today, the Magnificat. Mary's song isn't just some flowery abstract ode to the angelic, but a proclamation of how God was working and would work in and through her son, who is the Lord, who is Jesus, the very sight of God's revelation. God showing up in a new way through Mary and the person of Jesus would mean salvation. Salvation for those who were hungry, for those who are powerless, for anyone on the margins. Last week, a young boy in the family service asked the question, but why was Jesus born to Mary? She wasn't special. And while Father Chris was giving an answer, I could hear the the boy under his breath go, I mean, shouldn't Jesus be born to a superhero or a king or something? And the answer to this question is the good news we come to at the climax of Advent here, this long season of waiting. God's good news for humanity is that God is found and revealed in a nobody, somebody who the empire, the ruling class, had little respect for. God's found in unexpected places, and God's presence with us means God's presence with and for the down and out. When Mary arrives, joy overflows and gushes from her, from Elizabeth, from the child in her belly, in this bodily reaction. Because spiritual hope means physical, bodily hope when God takes on flesh in Jesus. 
born of Mary, a woman unknown to the world in an unknown place of Nazareth. Faithful Mary, who we remember today as the God-bearer in her life, was a marginalized woman, an unwed mother, a refugee woman with child, a mother of a political prisoner, a widowed mother, the mother of an executed criminal, the breaker of bondage, a seeker of sanctuary, the one on whom God looked with favor. Perhaps you find yourself on this list, or lists like it, made by those with power or privilege, any name that was categorized you as other than the norm, as not favored. As God looked on the unexpected one in Mary with favor, so God looks on you with favor. Some of us have never had to worry about being on these lists, or any other. And we might suspect when we hear Mary's song today, we might have more in common with the proud, the rich, and the powerful who will be overthrown in this kingdom that Mary envisions. But there's good news for us. You know, back in October, we had this text where we encountered the story of Jesus meeting the rich young man. And it says, Jesus looked on him and loved him as he called the young man to reorient his relationship with wealth, to care for the poor, and to follow Jesus. While God always starts with and privileges the poor and the oppressed, along the way, God looks at those of us with wealth, with love, and lets us know that we are valued, we are beloved, and we're called in all of our abundance to be part of God's work, constantly invited to live out of this overflow of God's love for us and sharing our abundance with others. The next two days, we celebrate the birth of God's son to this impoverished Middle Eastern woman in little Nazareth. This is the story our whole Christian year begins with. So how do we carry on the story throughout the year? How do we consider welcoming refugees as Mary was, those seeking sanctuary? How do we care for the mothers in black communities whose sons' lives are taken by the state in the same way that Mary's were? Where is our Nazareth where God might be showing up and working right now in new ways unbeknownst to us? What do our neighbors in the canal and Marin City have to teach us about how God is working in the world? As the body of Christ, we carry forward the hope of Mary's Magnificat. We do well to attend to Elizabeth's example as one from a priestly class a little higher than Mary in her relationship. When Elizabeth offers Mary her blessing, it isn't conferring power on Mary, giving her something, but it's celebrating Mary's faithfulness. It's elevating it. And this tells us something about blessing across boundaries of class. Elizabeth offers a blessing that is in response to Mary's faith. Elizabeth's blessing acknowledges who Mary is and that Mary has a lived belief that is a gift to her and was a gift to the whole world. While we're on gifts, again, I'm going to brag a little bit on St. John's. I'm not sure if you know this, but St. John's parishioners have been the volunteers of the month at the Gilead House each of the last two months. It's pretty cool. Uh, This is a community that does love and extend God's gifts out into the world. Uh, One of the volunteers of the month, the most recent one, Alice Pigeon, a member here, 
had this to say about her experience serving at Gilead House with these mothers in transition and their children. Families experience significant trauma before they find their way to Gilead House. And as a result, trust isn't a given. It must be earned. I've learned to be patient and not rush to solutions. Over the months we've been together, we've laughed, cried, and shared intimate stories. The shift in relationship that Alice talks about here, from showing up to offer solutions for those in challenging situations, to shared relationship and support, I believe is carrying forward that spirit of Elizabeth into this community, of how we bless across boundaries. What does this birth of Jesus mean, this Christmas? Even Mary had to ask this. What, what does it mean when we have experiences where our world is getting bigger, broken open? Where are our containers for meaning? How do we understand when God shows up in such a profound way and becomes with us in Jesus? How do we not just stop for mystical adoration this Christmas season, but move in and through this celebration to action that mirrors the Magnificat with a love that transcends categorization and takes, takes action on behalf of all bodies. Again and again in the Christian story, we learn that once we reach love, we're sent back out into the world. You know, each week we have this practice of sharing the Lord's prayer for here, this prayer that God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as in heaven. And that's a prayer for this, that Magnificat, the song we sang today, to continue to come forward and to be in the world. And when we pray that prayer together, we reach across dials and we embrace each other. Becoming a house of prayer for all people, we touch our hands, and in this moment it's an affirmation of your body and mine across boundaries of age, of class, of race, gender, and sexuality. We offer one another the blessing of touch as we pray that God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we, the body of Christ, carry on the mission of that body that was born to Mary, a marginalized woman, unwed mother, refugee woman with child, mother of a political prisoner, widowed mother, mother of an executed criminal, breaker of bondage, seeker of sanctuary, the one on who God looked with favor. Amen.